Hello and welcome to Your Employment Matters. I'm Beverly Williams and I'm here to help you navigate your career. This is for anyone who's searching for their dream job or promotion, or perhaps you're just looking to hang on to the job you have. Today's work environments are multi-generational, multi-religious, multinational, multiracial, and multi-gender and multi-gender identity. Add market disruptors like Amazon and Lyft, along with the addition of AI, and it's easy to see why finding and keeping a job is such a challenge. Employment success and even employment survival depend on your ability to adapt. That's why my goal for this 30-minute podcast is to first advocate embracing change and differences, and second, to encourage you to proactively assume responsibility for your career. Get your work week off to a good start by listening to Your Employment Matters every Monday. Find out how to own your career and get the best practices for making your employment matter. Well, good afternoon. Today, we're going to talk about something that I don't know whether information about etiquette, which is the topic today, is commonly known, commonly shared, but it's a topic that I think all of us can use more information about. I'm not going to go into the dictionary definitions of etiquette. I'll leave that to you to look for the dictionary definitions for etiquette, the Merriam-Webster dictionary definition or dictionary.com are two of several. Go online, check out the the definitions and see what you think. But for our purposes today, we are privileged to have an etiquette expert who can tell you in real time, live and in person, at least today, what etiquette means and why it's important. Our guest today is Doris Young-Boyer, an etiquette expert, among other things. Welcome, Doris. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. You know, let me just explain to listeners, Doris and I have a mutual friend who suggested that I contact Doris and invite her to be a guest on my podcast. And it was like meant to be, meant to happen, because I personally believe that etiquette is important because we know what we know, but we don't know what we don't know and why we don't know it. And we're not always aware of what we should and should be should not be doing in certain circumstances. And people like Doris are there to not only tell us, not only to tell us, not only to inform us, but to educate us. And Doris, I leave it to you. How did you get to be an etiquette expert? I'm impressed. <laughs> Thank you. A couple of things converge. Certainly growing up, etiquette was important in our home and and um, it was more called manners than than etiquette. And both of my parents are Southern. My great grandmother lived with us, and of course she was Southern. So 
there were certain things that they wanted us to understand and they taught those things to us. We didn't always use them when we left the house, but we certainly knew them uh, when we were at home and what we were to do and not to do. So that was the, the foundation for some things. Secondly, I had the privilege of working in corporate America. I worked for several companies, one, the Clairol Division of Bristol-Myers, and then Bristol-Myers International. And when I was going overseas representing Bristol-Myers International, before we traveled, because there were about four of us who were in this new program, they put us through what they called a corporate culture program, how to behave in different countries, what to wear, what to not say, what timing is like, how other countries view time. I was absolutely fascinated with this knowledge, especially when I saw that it worked. Now, I'll give you a quick example. When I was traveling to, to Italy, the culture person who was working with me said, you know, leather is very important, and it's important that you have good shoes, a good handbag, and a nice leather suitcase. Well, I decided I wasn't going with the leather suitcase because here in America, you know, they throw those suitcases all over the place. But I did yes, get I a do. pair. I did get a, a, a good pair of leather shoes. I paid more than I had ever paid in my life. And I got a good leather handbag. When I was picked up at the uh, airport by the regional manager and I was getting in the car, he said, Doris, your shoes are exquisite. Right away, noticed the shoes that I was wearing, and we started a conversation about those shoes. So not only was it an icebreaker, but it was a recognition that I took the time to look a certain way. So I was fascinated by that. And then I decided that I would, and then I have an, another experience where I Again, I was at a, 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 in a corporate situation. I was at a very formal dinner, and I decided that I wanted to sit next to the president of the company. And I had strategized before how to do that. And of course, I, was, I did it. I got to sit next to him. But long story short, as it turned out, all evening, I was drinking his wine. Oh. And he went to pick up his wine on his right side, and it had a lipstick stain on it. I thought I was going to pass out. Uh, I was not. I got myself to the table, but I was not prepared. That's a very simple thing to do. Your, your drinks are on your right. You know, that's not rocket science or, or putting on airs. That's just where they are. And yeah. I was not cognizant of that. So you say, so what's the big deal? Well, this is the big deal with etiquette. That your manners, your behavior, your presence is always under examination. And people deny you things based on how you present yourself. They may not announce it to you, but in their mind, they may say, hmm, she's not quite ready for the next corporate, whatever it is. You know, she's got a little bit more polish that she has to gain. And the amazing thing about it is you don't even know that that thought went in that person's mind. So I got no. I got to You're absolutely him. right. It's what we don't know. It's what we don't know. So I got to sit next to him thinking that maybe I'd get, you know, some plum assignment out of it. Well, I don't know if I didn't or I did not because I was not as prepared as I could have been in that particular situation. So 
those little things just started interesting me, and I decided to go to school. So I went to the Protocol School of Washington, and I was trained in corporate etiquette and business protocol, and I started to teach that on my own, especially to college students who were going to be interviewing and going into the workforce. I did some workshops with children, but now my work is basically with corporate executives. So that's how I got involved in it, and that's my track record and my certifications. Have you have you ever come across books called What a Gentleman Would Do or uh, What a Lady Would Do? There's a series of books that I've given my young friends as gifts. It's a long, slim book? Yes. Yes, it's a fabulous book. They used to sell it, and I don't know whether they still do. They used to sell it at Brooks Brothers. That's where I bought the first one, and I gave it to a friend's son as a gift. And he said to me, do you not think I know how to be a, a gentleman? I said, no, I, I know you know, uh, but there may be a time when you may need some help. And when he got his first girlfriend, he went to the book. He was invited to the young lady's house for dinner, and he wanted to know what he should do. And he went to that book. Yes. That book is still in print, and um, it can be gained on Amazon. And the title is um, How to Be a Gentleman. Yes. And the other one is How to Be a Lady. I think the, the author's name is Simpson on How to Be a Lady. They're excellent books. And I have another two books, too. There's, 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 I was surprised to, to find out that they had another two books, one for females, one for males. Mm-hmm. Very helpful. And it's easy, easy f- uh, reference. Yes. It's not wordy. It's just, this is what you do. This is how you do it. And you're out. And I recommend that people also go to the internet and Google, what do I do when I'm going to a girlfriend's home? Uh, now, the problem with that is, you know, you have to make sure you're, you're on the right site. <laughs> because you don't want one of these right. tongue-in-cheek kind of sites. But I recommend that people have an etiquette reference book at home. There are, there are many that are wonderful, and um, it gives you good information. Uh, simple things. How much do I tip the shampoo person when I'm going to the beauty salon? Everyday oh, practical. Oh, wait, if I didn't know that I'm supposed to tip her, you're assuming that they know they're supposed to tip at the salon for the manicurist or the hairstylist yes, or the shampoo person. Everyone doesn't know that. Well, I I think the benefit of an etiquette book is certainly it's a reference if you have a question, but there is a benefit to just going through the table of contents to see what kinds of tips, strategies, rules are covered in this life so that you can have that particular information. That's an excellent idea. But, you know, I think one of the one of the problems is that people assume that they know. And unfortunately, it's not always the case. I know one of my family members years ago, we were out to dinner and I said, put your your napkin in your lap. (laughs) He looked at me and he said, why? I'm not going to spill anything. I said, "Okay." (laughs) I you know. I wasn't going to have the conversation with him in public because it wouldn't have ended well. So later on, 
when I saw him, I explained to him that it was just what you do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, not under your not in, under your chin on your lap. Well, I think that people see things differently. You know, I'm, I've had conversations with people who say, "I put it under my chin because I don't want to stain my tie." So I'm I'm more concerned about my tie than I am about my lap. What is it that you're doing that causes food to fill on your tie? So maybe back it up and talk about it from that particular standpoint. Are you overloading your fork? Are you getting too close to your fork or bringing your fork too close to you? How do you avoid getting a stain on your clothing without having the napkin on your lap rather than around your neck. And there, there are times when it is appropriate to have it around your neck if you're eating, you know, lobster or that kind of thing. If you have a bib, if they give you a bib, then you put it around your neck. Exactly, exactly. But without a bib, you know, it, especially in a bis- at a business dinner, that's not the look that you want to convey. Exactly. You know, this is how I explain etiquette to people that there are many parts of it. There are people who get very upset about it. It's putting on airs. It's bougie. There are people who say, some who say, well, I don't care how they feel about how I eat. It doesn't make any difference to me. I don't get involved in those conversations because they're not practical. What I tell people is that there are many aspects to etiquette. One, it is your, your own confidence and comfort of knowing what to do and what not to do. Two, we are in a competitive world. And very often, what divides someone who gets the the prize from someone who doesn't is minuscule. And you want to make sure that you're prepared to the best advantage that you get what it is that you want covering all the bases. The third thing I tell people is that it is a way to reduce conflict. Knowing what to do in certain situations keeps it from escalating to be something that you really don't want it to be or something that you cannot handle. And then there's the practicality of it. You wait until people get out of the elevator before you get in. So you're not bumping into each other, worrying about holding the doors open because you just stand there. When the people get off, then you get on. So there are a lot of practical tips. Certainly, there are things that are off-putting to people. You know, do I have to hold my pinky out when I'm drinking a cup of tea? Of course not. It is not about that. So I focus on confidence. I focus on practicality. And I focus on the fact that it avoids and reduces conflict. You know, I'll give you an example. I, I had taken a friend who was from out of town. She had an emergency dental appointment. And I was waiting in the dental work, the dentist waiting room for her. And this young, young guy was seated in the waiting room also. And he took out his brush and started brushing his hair in the waiting room. And I thought to myself, he's not supposed to do that. That's not a good look. But, you know, you don't know how to approach people, especially these days. Now, this was a couple years ago, maybe two. It was before COVID. Let's put it that way. But I couldn't I could not let this young man leave the dentist's office 
thinking that what he was doing was okay. And if he did not accept it in the vein that I was conveying it, I would have to assume that risk. And so I I asked him if he could step outside, you know, the reception area. And I said, you can't comb your hair in public like that. You can't brush your hair like that. And he looked at me, he said, no. I said, no. I, I started not to tell you, but I, I felt that I had to. And I hope you're not offended. He said, no, when I get home, I'm going to tell my mother. She will be very glad that you told me. <laughs> And I was very glad that I told them because I'm telling you, some of these people would have gone off. Yeah. But I have young men that I love. I would want somebody to tell them. Yes, I, I think that, you know, you you did the right thing in terms of you brought him outside so that you were not giving him this information in front of other people so that it could be processed in, in private. Because of the work that I do, I'm very careful about whether or not I pull people to the side because it may come across to them as, as, as she thinks that she knows it all. So I have to be very, very careful about that. And when, I, when people ask me, should I say something, I give them the kind of information that you just talked about. If you can bring the person aside, if you can say to them, I, I only want to give you some information that I think will be helpful to you in your in your life, may I do that, then that is a good way to approach it. Yes. But to but right. to say to him in the to have said to him in the waiting room is you need to put that brush away because you can't be brushing your oh, hair in no. here with all of us. That creates oh, no. the, the conflict that you're trying to reduce. Now that that could have gotten that could have turned really bad. No. Yeah. I know that wouldn't have worked. I I've know seen, that wouldn't have worked. It wouldn't have worked. And I've seen people on the subway. I sat next to this woman one morning. We're going into New York and she takes out her whole makeup case. I mean, the kind of case that would be in your bathroom on your counter. And it had uh, many lipsticks and many eye, eye pencils. And I mean, just a, and she proceeded to make up her face with sponge powder. And I'm sitting there trying to reduce myself so that whatever she's using doesn't get on me. Eventually I got up and I moved, but I mean, she put on um, moisturizer. She put on foundation, powder, eyeliner, um, on, a moving subway. On, a, on a moving train, eight 30 in the morning. And Whoa. in addition, she put on lipstick and she combed her hair. Those she are things, no. those are no. things that you do at home. Skills. She had skills. (laughs) She had skills. No, that is not all that you have described is not easily done anytime, but it's surely not done easily done on a moving subway train. No. But even if it's not easily done, it is, it is really, um, it infringes on the person who's sitting next to you. Now, would it have been, would, would it have been correct if she was on the aisle by herself? No, those are home no. toiletries that you do. So in the begin, so initially, no, you don't make yourself up, and I'm sure there are people who disagree with me. You don't do your grooming in public on the subway. 
train. And then you certainly don't do those kind of grooming things if you're sitting next to someone where you're brushing your hair and the person is sitting there. I eventually got up and moved because you could tell that that could be an argument in the making. She needed to get herself presentable, I guess, to go wherever she was going to end up. But it wasn't for those of us who were on the train. So I took the option of moving. Well, and it's not, it's, (laughs) it's unacceptable to pick your teeth at the table. Even if you have something, you know, like a, a dental tool to help you, that is inappropriate. Putting on lipstick at the table is not acceptable either. Well, you know, some you some s- rules some rules have been relaxed by by people, and and etiquette that I stay in touch with have said that it is not totally inappropriate. I don't agree with this for a woman to put on lipstick at the table if she can do it very discreetly, if she can just you know put her hand up, put the lipstick on, and put it away. But for someone to take out their mirror and their lip liner and do the lip liner before they do their lipstick is a grooming activity. And those are best done in private. And it's in context. If you're with your girlfriends or you're with friends, it's one thing. If you're interviewing for a job, you can't take the risk. You can't risk even discreetly applying makeup, lipstick at the table. You can't. Yeah. See, for me, I I don't. If, If I need to apply lipstick after I've eaten, I'll go to the ladies' room and do it. And that is what my recommendation is, not to put the lipstick on. So, And people have said to me, well, is that different if you have chapped lips? Is that different than putting on some, you know, Vaseline? Well, I still think that you can excuse yourself and do that in, in, in a more private setting. The the purpose you're with your friends, it's one thing. If you're with someone you want to hire you, it's something it's a different situation. Well, I kind of take a little different view there because I think that the behaviors that you want to practice are the behaviors that you want to use. And very often we will allow ourselves to become casual with some things and then forget when when we're in another situation. And I go back to myself at the table where I was sitting next to the CEO. I know what a place setting looks like. My mother taught me that. But I had become so casual with how I was applying that information that I didn't even think about. It, that well, I didn't that's true. so I, I, I don't I don't don't recommend And I'm trying not to be one of these people who says, well, okay, check, she did that. Check, she did that. Because I I don't think that's helpful either. But I don't recommend, let me go back rather than say I don't recommend. I recommend that you have one set of manners, one set of standards that you operate by. I think that that is more successful for you than it is to have two sets of, of rules. This is how I behave when I'm with my friends. And this is how I behave when I'm with my my colleagues. Certainly everything is not the same, but I, I'm talking about the basics of the table. Follow the basics of the table as a rule. Now, if I don't know anything about etiquette, and I think you may have answered this, but I, I'd like for you to, you know, give people put more meat on the bones. If I don't know anything about etiquette, but I'm going to a very classy event or 
I've been invited to a dinner where there will be prospective employers who will be evaluating me. What would you suggest I do to prepare myself for this, the experience I've described? That's an excellent question. And first, I would start with unpacking the word classy. What does that mean? Is it a formal event? Is it a semi-formal event? It is, a, is it what they call um, the sophisticated casual? You really want to know what the event is so that you'll know how to dress and you'll know how what other behaviors are, are necessary. So once you find out uh, what the event is, Certainly books, Googling things, get some education about it. Maybe there is another family member like someone like yourself who has been to these kinds of affairs and can give you some information on what to do. So if it's a friend who's having a formal dinner, I would find out basically where it's going to be, what she expects in terms of dress and govern myself accordingly. So for something that is formal, you're talking about a ball gown, you're talking about evening attire, you're talking about tuxedos, something that's semi-formal is kind of in between formal. And so you might, you'll, you'll do maybe a, a cocktail dress or a dinner suit or that kind of thing, something that's casual. And casual has a broad spectrum also. There's some casual where you can wear everything, anything you want, somebody's backyard, or there's business casual where you're expected to maybe have a polo with a collar, perhaps a jacket or not, but some slacks, a belt, and very casual shoes rather than sneakers. So find out as much as you can about what it is and then learn and teach yourself about what's expected. And we all go to, we all go to events where we have to, we perhaps have to learn something. I mean, one of the ones that is most baffling to me is black tie optional? Well, what is that? I mean, is that semi-formal for people? How do you then, what is black tie? You know, for me, it's either black tie or it's not black tie. You get a mishmash of, of things. For me, black tie optional means semi-formal. You know, I'm a woman of a certain age. And when I attend events, I wear what I'm comfortable in. And it's been okay so far. Mm -hmm. You know, because I do have, I do have an extensive wardrobe, fortunately, but I'm thinking about people, especially young people who may not have the resources to step up their wardrobe. You know, whatever they wear should be clean, pressed, you know, neat. They should look pulled together They should, to your point, know what's expected of them and get as close to that as possible if they must attend the event and can't afford what the Internet or the books that they've they've read say is uh, the dress required. Because money is a factor. Absolutely, it's a factor. Well, there are places that you can go. I mean, um, rent the runway. I have friends who rent clothes from them where they find that it works works for them. But, you know, part of it is learning what works for you. I always recommend that you have a long black skirt and a plain black top. You can put jewelry on it. 
or if it's going to be semi-formal, a pair of, of nice slacks, not, not khakis or jeans, but a pair of nice slacks. You can go to Talbert's and get a nice pair of slacks and put a dressy top on with it and be in line with the spirit of that particular evening. What about for men? For men, if it's um, if it is formal, that's black tie. That is a tuxedo. If it's semi-formal, a a dark suit is appropriate. If it's business casual, a jacket with some slacks is appropriate. If it's casual, you can still wear a pair of slacks, maybe a little bit more, depending if it's not business, if it's just regular casual, maybe a a chino that's an, an attractive looking with some very comfortable. I mean, some of the athletic shoes now look more like shoes. I'm not recommending yes. that, that you wear um, Air Jordans. I don't think that that's appropriate. I'm talking about a business setting now. Once you get a framework for what is accepted or expected for that particular affair, then you can start to look at what you have that you can fit within that and what you may need to purchase to go along with that. Something that is standard and classic so that you can use it more than one time. And then you stick with the darker colors. Well, Doris, we've run out of time, but before we we say goodbye, how can people contact you? I can be found on LinkedIn, if people use LinkedIn, or they can Google me, Doris Youngboyer, and that is a good way to connect with me. Well, you know, I've enjoyed this. I've learned things that I I wasn't, you know, up on before. I appreciate that. And I'm sure listeners hopefully picked up at least a kernel of something that will benefit them as they move forward. But thank you so much for taking the time to, to make this contribution to my podcast. I sincerely appreciate it. And I appreciate your giving me a chance to demystify etiquette. You know, it's it's not this classy, it's you got to hold your finger out or be any of these kinds of things. It, it really is about tips and strategies to make you better and make your relationships better with other people. Well, hopefully you'll come back when you have time. I know you're very busy, but thank you for spending time with us today. Until next time. You are very welcome. We'll be back Next week, thank you so much for listening. Please consider picking up my new book, Your GPS to Employment Success, How to Find and Succeed in the Right Job, which is available on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, independent bookstores, and at BusinessExpertPress.com, my publisher. Thank you so much. And if you're so inclined, additionally, please consider leaving a, a review. Until we meet again, goodbye. Thanks for listening to Your Employment Matters with Beverly Williams. If you found this podcast helpful, please subscribe and leave a review. I truly appreciate your support and that helps other listeners find the podcast. If you have a comment, question, or suggestion, you can reach me at Williams at youremploymentmatters.com. My book, Get the Job Done, is available on Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. Please join me again next week. Until then, remember to embrace change and differences.
This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM. Women's voices amplified.